Welcome back to the Root Issues podcast, where we're gathering around the table to bridge the generational gap and discuss the root issues of our culture. I'm Brian Matthew. With me is Pastor Steve Woodrow and Pastor Chris Henderson. And we're here every Wednesday, you know, just to, we continue a discussion based on uh, Sunday's sermon, but also just to a deep dive into, into faith and giving you that midweek jolt, uh, encouragement, hopefully. Uh, so if this is your first time joining us, welcome. Um, we, we do like to, you know, recap Sunday and, you know, whatever went on in case you missed it uh, or if you heard it and it's been you know three days since you've listened to it. Um, and this Sunday, Steve, you talked about faith to withstand hostility. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We were in Revelation 13. We're making our way through uh, and it kind of, you know, we're vamping up right in intensity. And uh, Revelation 13, just a quick summary is, boy, it's packed full, right? Uh, In Revelation 13, we're introduced to, uh, well, in chapter 12, we were introduced to the dragon, which is Satan himself, which makes a clear statement tying um, the dragon in Revelation um, back to Satan in the garden. And, um, the accuser of the brethren, right? Uh, in chapter 13, we're introduced to uh, the beast, the Antichrist. He's called the beast uh, that rises up out of the sea, that the dragon that Satan gives his power and his throne to, which we'll talk about that, a deep dive on that one. Um, and then we're introduced to this next guy, which is the false prophet uh, in chapter 13. And then we're introduced to this image, some kind of thing that they create or make uh, that has its roots in the Old Testament in book of Daniel, which we'll look at as well, and uh, that causes everybody to bow into worship, or they can't buy and sell if they don't take this mark, the mark of the beast, which is 666, so, you know, everybody's kind of heard about these things out there, but chapter 13, <laughs> it's kind of all right there, um, and really the overall, we see two things, chapter 11, or verse 11, and uh, I think it is, um, verse uh, uh, 10, excuse me, and verse 18 is where John exhorts the church. He says, look, here is where this is going. There's going to be this climax of the world in the world's history of the kingdoms of the world. It's going to come under one ruler. And this shouldn't shock us because this is just, this is human nature. This is the history of the world. We, we have ruler, there, you know, uh, we, ha- we have people we hold up on pedestals. We want rulers. We're made for that. It goes all the way back through history. Uh, we'll see this Antichrist is going to be a smooth character. He's not going to have, you know, horns and look red. He's he's going to be amazing. And it even says in here that he will, in chapter 13, that he's going to suffer some kind of mortal wound and, and, and fake some kind of resurrection. When I say fake, it's, it'll be a real, but a demonic, right, uh, representation of what happened to Christ. We see here that the, the enemy, Satan, is always, he's an angel of light. 1 Corinthians 11 tells us that. He's always deceiving us to do that. He mocks or he tries to duplicate what God is doing and a false version of it. Here we see the false version of the Trinity. We have the dragon, Satan. We have the beast, the Antichrist, and we have the false prophet, right? Each playing a similar role to our holy Trinity. It's the unholy Trinity that's presented to us here of, of his schemes. And uh, so it's going to be so deceptive. We see in the, uh, even the elect, the scriptures say, will, will fall. Jesus promises that. Even the elect, in the, as the time gets closer, there'll be more prophecies. There'll be more spiritual stuff. It, it talks about the incredible power, the merging. He won't just be a political leader, but the false prophet will bring in, harness the religions of the world to come and uh, bring religious power together with political power like we've never seen it before. And there will be radical signs and wonders and power, spiritual powers given to these, these leaders that are going to cause most people to actually bow before them and uh, and be susceptible to this uh, this beast, whatever this thing they create, which we can say today, we talked about, is 
um, that uh, with AI today that uh, we can see this happen, right? In the sense of um, at the very core of all, the evil thing behind a lot of this is this idea of transhumanism, which, um, which is crazy. But if you reject God long enough, like much of our high-tech world has, is that all you have is man left. And so we're going to solve our own problems. We have to create something. And how are we going to live forever? How are we going to solve this death issue? Well, the goal, ultimately, this evil goal, is that we can somehow through AI live forever, right? And that we can... Right, uh, what's techno sapiens? All these crazy words where we basically, through AI, are able to you know input our memories, our minds, everything right into some kind of computer thing that lives on in the beast right forever. Um, and uh, so we see that that we can actually see that happen today, which is pretty crazy. And and it says that in the end that they will use this to control people what they buy and they sell. Well, we've already seen certain things around the world. This certain power. Um, uh, you know, to control people with different kind of passports and everything else. Um, and there's people right now I know in Sweden or Finland, wherever it is, that have developed a thing on your hand that you put in your body that is just a chip that controls everything, right? Um, and you think, well, that would make it a lot easier. I don't have to carry a credit card. It'd be real easy. Mm-hmm. But uh, the idea of being marked in the forehead or the hand is just allegiance. It's worship, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and he talks about here, but those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life who know God will not, they'll be the only ones who do not buy into this, and uh, they will suffer a cost. And so John makes a strong uh, message to the church is, boy, this calls for endurance and faith of the church, um, is that we're to build endurance and faith to be able to stand in the midst of this. And it might not come in our lifetime, probably won't, um, but in our lifetime, what is dependent on our allegiance and worship is are we going to be able to stand? Or are we? Are we? Do are we building endurance in tough times? And and is my our our is our heart for God, and for Him? Uh, and are we able to see through the the idols um, that distract us today? So there's a heck of a lot in this chapter, and uh, you know, um, and also the other thing that John calls for us to do is we need wisdom and understanding. And obviously, he's given us spiritual gifts: words of knowledge, words of wisdom. Uh, that are to be used in the church. We're to lean on each other. God, speak to us, right? Prophetically, what do we need to know? What's going on, right? Strengthen us, encourage us. That's why those gifts are given. And we need to let them flow more, right? And develop them even more as we look at Scripture and see the time coming. You know, and I love uh, one of the many reasons why I love that you're covering the book of Revelation uh, is, you know, spoiler alert, like as many bad things that, are happening and the craziness and the chaos and uh, i mean it kind of gives us an, a picture that god still ultimately in control and in power and is going like has one is going to win uh and for me so uh having you know young kids uh they don't typically sit through service and like listen uh, sorry steve it's not it's not a slight on you they love children's ministry and it but uh this past sunday uh our oldest daughter she's seven actually decided to sit in church with me for second service so I can sit and listen after, you know, Sunday school first service. And uh, I don't know how much she took in, but she was had her journal open, and it took her the entire service. But all she did, we got her a big girl Bible this past year. Nice. With actual, you know, scriptural references and everything. So she opened it up to Revelation 13, and all she did was copy down from, she only got down to, I think, verse 4. Uh, but all she did is look at the words and copy them down. And for me as a father, I'm like, man, I mean, as scary as some of this stuff is, and, you know, I know some parents ad- 
uh, steer clear of this because it's like, oh, I don't want to instill fear in my kids. Well, I want my kids to know the truth. And this, if the, yeah. it says it in the Bible and we can talk about God overcoming all of this scariness, like yeah. that instills in her just this awe, this reverence for God to know who God is. And Absolutely. So Absolutely. In some ways, they have a greater capacity of... of of a mind and a pure heart to to really receive this and we do like the testimony you heard last week from hubert which was amazing yeah. you know uh that uh you know and jesus said be, uh, unless you're like a child you can't enter mm-hmm. the kingdom of god you can't see the kingdom of god yeah. unless you come as a child now that's yeah. we should really take some time <laughs> to sink in on that right the older we get right we lose our imagination we lose that childlike faith and we have to we think we have to prove everything right especially as Westerners, we become very empirical and we lose the spiritual fire in our spiritual eyes. I mean, when I look at like chapter 13 and you were bringing in that concept of just worship and that the everything is going to be called to bring their worship to this new facade. I think that is where one of our greatest deficits is, is we haven't really expanded on and taught what worship is i mean mm-hmm. just working with high school middle school from little children on you know worship sometimes is just seen as like professing jesus christ as lord and savior you have the salvation card but it is it's like you know taking it the next step to say like you know worship is what you put all of your hope in all of your dependence in to the point where if everything that you are accustomed to and know is stripped away you still have hope you still are provided for in the dependence on God. Yeah. And I, I think there is a generational gap that's occurred here. Like I know growing up, when I was growing up, you know, worship was reserved for God. It was worship was reserved for Sunday. Yeah. If you went to church, you were going to worship, mm-hmm. you know, and it wasn't a term that was thrown around so easily. And I'm not saying that in my generation we were taught specifically like, oh, if you worship God, then your hope is in God and your dependence is on God. But there was a different feel for the word. I feel like today, you know, it is just thrown around so much. I mean, it's like even when we look at the pop industry and such, used to we had stars, now we have idols. Right. You know, (laughs) and so just even as the culture shifts, I mean, I think it is, it's like, for someone to really grasp this, I think we really need to go back to some like basic training on what is worship right. and what does it mean to worship something? Because if you were given the option tomorrow, you can't go to city market unless you have this. Mm-hmm. Well, how are you going to get food? Right. Do mm-hmm. you trust in God enough in the supernatural for him to find a way in his magnificent to provide for you? Or do you buckle under the pressures? Mm. Yeah, it's, you know? it, we, we see even right throughout history, as we always said, there's more people dying today for the name of Jesus than ever before. Yeah. But, and it's so foreign to our context here yeah. in America because we're the most affluent people to walk on the face of the earth, right? We don't know what contentment is because we live in a consumer culture that has a grip on all of us, right? Yeah. That challenges, it's always battling for our allegiance, right? Yeah. Worship is my allegiance, what am I truly loyal, trusting in and give worth to, right? At my treasure, what is my, Jesus said, right? What, you know, where your heart is is where your treasure, where your treasure is where your heart is. Right? Yeah. So where's our treasure? And 
Um, so yeah, I think uh, it's a challenge today, right? We hear people say right now, oh, well, we just need to, everything's that's happening, we need to just make more money, we need to, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a bunker mentality, we need to just, you know, protect ourselves, and, and sure, there's some just obvious things that we do, right, from a stewardship standpoint, but, boy, I think we have to look under that, even as believers, where is our real security, and are these times, we know the Bible's real clear, there will be a time that we all will be tested in the sense of, whoa, where is my treasure? Where's my yeah. real security? That's what I'm worshiping. So it is ex- when tough times come, right? That's what exposes right, what, what, where my treasure is. Yeah. Right? Is it really God? Am I really trusting him? Will I make a stand when yeah. I'm pr- put in that position? Or will I cling right to my, uh, my comforts, my, just go down the list, my, yeah. you know, my savings account on and on and on, yeah. you know, um, and uh, because uh, what this describes is when this day comes is there, is, there will be no hedge funds. There'll be no hedging. There'll mm-hmm. be no hidden accounts anywhere. There'll be nothing that uh, a Christian can rely upon. Uh, we will, it, we'll have to lay, be asked to lay it all down for them if we're going to make a stand with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And the question is, can I do that today? Uh, because if I can't in my heart do that today and ask the Lord, what does that look like? Then I'm missing out on the kingdom today. I'm missing out on the, yeah. the vibrant, spirit-filled, empowered life today if he's not the, the yeah. focus of my worship. And so, yeah, Chris, as you're saying, wow, when we come to worship, when we gather together, is, is, am I at church? With my, is, my, is it a priority to be a part of the body and put Christ first? Uh, I have to really raise or is there just a lot of other things on my agenda? Yeah. And yeah. this is where the church in America is really, boy, under a, a challenge right now. Well, know? I mean, oftentimes, like, we hear about success right now, especially with the kids and, like, what they're pursuing, their passions, their dreams. You hear about, like, the American dream of being an entrepreneur, making a money, like, make having success, whether it's, like, building their own business, you know, whatever it is, uh, which is not a bad thing. Not at all. But, you know, I don't often hear families especially ones that you know that i'm close to like are we talking about the christian dream to raise our kids to know what ultimate success that's going to proceed and even like any kind of collapse or any anything that's going to happen in the future right that's well as as christian parents we want our children to succeed so we're excited when they uh, you know go to college or get education or start an entrepreneurial you know start Mm -hmm. a vocation whatever we're excited for that we want to see them do well in life and launch them well that's part of our parenting but we don't hear as much even among christians today when you even talk about your kids right boy where do we celebrate their faith Mm -hmm. and are we even in tune with where their faith is yeah you know because when it's all said and done all those bank accounts all those degrees all those successes whatever they are they they will mean nothing nothing in the big scheme of things unless they're connected right to a kingdom vision right and faith and uh, boy, that that's it's the conversation that is is because even in the church, right? The majority of the conversation is on hey, what college you going to, what degree, yeah. what job, how much money you making, you know, all these things. Mm. But should the conversation be more about uh, which we see in scripture? People talked about their faith. Paul commended the church. He didn't commend them on their jobs <laughs> or their yeah. successes or their civic. In, he commended them on their love of one another, their faith, and their steadfastness. Right? We, those are the things that. Um, and that's just a radical, a, a, a complete turn. And it's back to what we talked about a couple weeks ago, what, the future spiritual you. Yeah. Right? What am I, Lord, I want to be the, I want to lay hold of this new creation. I want to lay hold of these promises. And for my children, I want to prophesy over my children those blessings to see them come right into their life. 
And have you written your letter yet? <laughs> Just a reminder. Hey, you right. know, it can easily be forgotten. Um, I was cutting off, Brian, though. No, you're fine. I okay. Was... I was just going to say, like, you know, it is. It's like, you know, do you find more peace when you look at your savings account or your bank account or your retirement? Or do you find more peace when you look to God's Word or you spend time in prayer with Him knowing that He has your future? Right. And if your dedication and, you know, heart is to please Him, then you know you are always good. Yeah. You're always going to come up in the in the black. You're going to come up on a positive side. Maybe not so much in the world or the culture. And so it is. It's a check mark of just what brings peace when anxiety enters your life. Because yeah, anxiety is going to enter your life. You so know? I'm, I'm going to toot your horn, Chris. Yeah. I know you never will. But uh, we were talking recently, and you're just talking. You know, you, I feel like you never operate out of uh, funds that are limited. You know, you, you talk about serving God because that's what you you're called to do. You love you yeah. love God so much that no matter what it is, you're going to be, you're relying on Him, the Holy Spirit, to give you any strength, any energy, any time, any finance, whatever it is. Uh, and man, I just want to commend you publicly on, in front of our, whoever whoever's listening. Uh, Chris Anderson, thank you for leading in that and uh, just showing what it looks like to, to depend on God. That's yeah. awesome, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it, it's that journey because I, I wasn't always there. There were times where, you know, when I was a young adult and didn't have a wife and you wanted to go out to eat, you called the Alpine Bank number. Hey, <laughs> I can go out to eat. I still have money in the <laughs> bank account. Yeah. To then when you start seeing money, you know, grow and save and you check the account, you know, it can still catch your heart like, oh, we're good because I get paid in three days and we've got this much still here, you know. Yeah. But it is. It's like, man, can we say that no matter what, God's word's final, and if he says we go on, then we go on, even if everything is stripped away. Right. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. Paul said he had to learn contentment, right? Whether he had a, and that was whether he had a lot, lot or he had right. little, little. Both. Yeah. And actually, I think it's heart, contentment's harder when you have a lot yeah. than it is if you have a little. Totally. And uh, that's, that's, the, that's who we are as a people. We have a lot. Yeah. And our level of contentment is way above what Scripture says. What is First Timothy six says? Says if you have food and clothing, be content. Whoa! Yeah. Think about that one. You know, it just shows right there how far our level of contentment right is so yeah. far out of line. And all right. So you know. um, so, anyways, to to kind of go back, tie us back to Revelation thirteen, because I I mean I love talking to you guys, but I do want to honor our listeners, Steve. I know you. Uh, reference on Sunday, just to kind of deep dive a little bit more, yeah. uh, you know, obviously with contentment, with worship, there's, there is a physical enemy, uh, and you know, yeah. revelation has named him Satan yeah. and, uh, yeah. and you, you just want to dive in a little bit more. Where, where did that come from? Like, yeah. why, why is that so important to our great question? Listeners? And, um, yeah, I, and you, we didn't get into this on Sunday, but I think it's important for our listeners and just today where we do doubt this. We have we need to recover a biblical worldview, which is a spiritual warfare worldview, um, and just the talk of Satan and 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 that, that there's a battle going on for the souls of people. So, you know, from twelve to th- chapter twelve of Revelation into thirteen, you have this picture of the dragon, Satan. And then you have this, the beast, which is this antichrist rising up out of the sea, coming up out of chaos, chaos creature, out of, um, out of the, the peoples of this earth. He's an earthly guy, but he's empowered. And it says the dragon, Satan, gave him, this world leader, future world leader, not only power and authority, but his throne. Now, um, 
so it's like, oh, where does Satan get that kind of power? So let's go back to Luke chapter 4. You can just write this down, gang, if you want to look at this. But Luke chapter 4, this is the temptation of Jesus. Remember after Jesus' baptism, he was filled with the Spirit, dove came down, and then immediately took him to the desert to be tempted 40 days in the desert by who? By Satan, right? So Jesus in his own ministry had 40 days of temptation, right? Spiritual warfare preparation before he began his Spirit-empowered ministry. Um, and one of those temptations, Satan comes to him and says this, and this is kind of shocking, verse 5, chapter 4 of Luke, and the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms, took Jesus up, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you I'll give all this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will. Um, that is a very powerful statement. And Jesus didn't refute that. He, he just said, you worship one. You, know, you only worship God, right? And, and um, so how did that happen? How did Satan get the power of the kingdoms of the world, the governments of the world? We see this in Ephesians 2, right? He's the prince of power of the air. We Over and over again, we see he's the evil one of the world in First John, on and on. But we go back and remember the Tower of Babel. At the Tower of Babel, Genesis 11, is it when God divided the nations? And I'll give you some, I won't take time, but I'll just give you the verses. You can look at Psalm uh, 82. You can look at Deuteronomy 32. And this all ties into this larger picture. And if anybody's read any um, Michael Heiser, this is the divine council stuff, mm -hmm. right, where he brings all this together in a book called The Unseen Realm, which is heavy reading, but it's really awesome. And so when he divided the nations, he said he put the sons of God, the Elohim, little g, not you know, um, over each of the nations. So, except, and this is very important, except Israel. God kept Israel, the nation, for himself. Now, this is real important. We think about through history and into Revelation. But over the other nations, all nations, he put sons of God. He put angelic beings who, in the spiritual realm, had influence over those nations, the culture, everything. And what we see in Psalm 82 is that these beings, they fell with Satan. These beings got prideful. They, they took the nations in evil direction, rejecting God's rule, and they went under Satan's rule. And uh, so this is what it's saying. Was he, he, mm. Satan has these. They left God. These, these were fallen angels, and they left their rule. They liked ruling. Hey, they, they liked their power. Just like Satan, they got prideful. And uh, that is a part of how he got all this. Also, we can go back to the beginning, even Adam and Eve, a little further back. And when Adam and Eve were given the authority to go and take dominion of the earth, expand the Garden of Eden out, take heaven and expand it out into the earth. They, when they sinned, they lost, they were kicked out of the garden, they lost that authority. Mm -hmm. And it was because they fell to Satan, he gained some power at that point, right? Mm -hmm. He gained that dominion as such, right? And so that's how all this, this um, fits together in the sense that the king, all through the scripture, the kings of the world, all of them are ultimately evil. And you say, well, wait, my, uh, I was a politician or my granddad was. Well, I'm saying the system itself, when you're a part of that, right, it is evil. It is, again, ultimately, it's working against God. Now, just like we saw, you know, with um, this idea of this image being built, go back to, to the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel were four youths taken captive into Babylon, and they trusted God. And because of their radical faith, not, not blending in with the Babylonian culture, God honored them and raised them to the top political levels in Babylon. Amazing. 
but their faith was tested, right? That Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were tested because all of the other leaders, and here's the evil power, right, that, that moves among men in power and, and of everything. We see it going on with Ukraine right now, today, right, is this power, this evil, right, to, dom- to dominate, to, uh, that Satan is behind, and the powers, the spiritual realm over Russia and different nations are at war. We see that, again, in the book of Daniel. Um, and uh, so Shadmat, Reshach, Meshach and Abingo, uh, they they were the top, they were close to uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, but uh, the other re- leaders came together to build this image. You know, and it was this control thing, right? Mm-hmm. We'll control the people. Just bow, and you'll be fine. Give a little incense, as the emperor worship in, in Rome was, and you'll be fine, right? Just just give us some allegiance. And of course, they didn't. And 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 in it, they said, and the law was written, right? Was hey, anybody who doesn't, you're throwing me to the to the fiery furnace. And of course, we know in chapter six in Daniel, Daniel for some reason he was out of town on a trip. He missed that <laughs> event, but he but it came around on him, right? And he was thrown in the lion dens because he would not, you know, he he would not uh, stop praying to his God. And he was thrown in lion dens. You know the wonderful story, right? But I just thought maybe we close with this statement. You guys can comment on it if you want. But I just love this. Um, this uh, this statement, I'll read it off here, in Daniel chapter 3, when confronted, and the question for us is, and this is how we're supposed to, what John says, exhort one another, right, today, this is the book of Hebrews, actually, chapter 3, exhort one another today, right, that um, in the body, we need faith, we need our faith encouraged and strengthened, so we can stand like, like these guys, when they said to the king, all he said, guys, just bow down, just give a little allegiance, just, just a quick little bow is all you got to do. And they wouldn't, right? Because worship, as you say, Chris, was these guys, they understood the reverence of a holy God. They weren't about mm-hmm. to forsake their God. And they realized the consequences, the eternal consequences here. That was their treasure. Nothing. didn't matter. Even life. They laid their life down for their king. And he says, if this be so, this is what they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not... Be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Mm-hmm. Of course, we know the wonderful story. They're throwing immediately in the fire. The guys that threw him in the fire died you know, by the fire, and Jesus shows up in that fire walking with them. And that's what we want. If we are not able to get below the surface today to really wrestle with, is Jesus our treasure? We won't understand the intimate walk with him mm-hmm. and all the promises that come with him. So we're to exhort each other today. Where's our faith? Where's your faith? Paul says, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. And boy, is that uh, needed for this hour, especially right now, what's going on in the church in America. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I would add to that is just like, you know, if you did a case study on Nebuchadnezzar, you would see his radical transformations Mm -hmm. from when Daniel interpreted the first dream. Your God is amazing because only you, a true God could give you the dream and the interpretation to right. then right. Um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being freed from the fire. Your God is the God. And if anybody worships another God mm-hmm. besides your God, they yep. will be torn from limb to limb and their right. homes will be destroyed. Right. And so it's almost to me, it's like when you do a case study of that, it's like, you know, we may put our trust and we may put our respect and we may follow our leaders. Yeah. But we just have to remember that our leaders are not much different than us. They're right. fallible. Right. And they may ebb and flow from true worship of God. Yeah, 
Absolutely. you know, because that's what Nebuchadnezzar's kind of track mm-hmm. record was doing there. Mm-hmm. He was going back and forth, but he was easily swayed to now, oh, oh, great king, let no one pray except to you. Right. Because we got to take out Daniel next exactly. with the lion's den. And then once again, and that just reveals yeah. the evil <laughs> spiritual powers behind yeah. any government, right? Yeah. Of yeah. deception, right? Which is what the enemy does. Yeah. Man, that's good. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Chris. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll just end with a quote that Steve, you said on Sunday. Uh, you said, faith friends are needed to withstand the attacks of the enemy. Uh, and so, you know, that's what we're here for. We're, we're here, hopefully, as a friend to you, but also for you to encourage you to find some friends, find some discipleship, find a mentor or somebody that you can connect with. Uh, if you need help, you can reach out to us at rootissues at ccaspen.com. Otherwise, we'll be here next Wednesday for another issue of the Root Issues podcast.